morning. Happy holidays to all of you. Just very real quick, um, kind of all skate, all participation, you kind of gauge uh, our uh, level of holiday cheer in, in our lives. And those watching online, we, I want you to participate as well. How many of you, real quick, hand, hand raised, have already got areas in your home decorated for Christmas? Come on, hands up. Where are my people? These are my people here, those online. So I'm talking about we got our outside decorated over the weekend. Before Thanksgiving, we already had the inside decorated. The only debate left is whether or not we will get a fourth tree that will be a, a, a live tree in our home. That's really the debate only in, in our homes right now. Well, we're beginning uh, to turn the corner in this collection, um, Hope for Your Home, and now we are in the holiday edition of these messages and sermons. And so uh, over the next few weeks, as you heard in that, that uh, video there, uh, we're, we're going to begin to explore themes like hope and joy and peace and love and allowing them to abound in our home as we find hope for our homes this holiday season. Now stay tuned this week and in the coming days uh, as we announce what our plans are for the holidays, our holiday schedule, services, and things that we'll be doing um, that you'll be able to participate in and we'll invite you into as well. Now from the onset of this, this collection of sermons, from the very, very beginning, we've kind of had this one main theme goal for all of these sermons, and it was simply this, to help us understand that if you didn't come from a healthy family, you can ensure that a healthy family comes from you. We all start at different places. We've all had different experiences up to this point in our life. And whatever you call home right now, whether you're living with roommates, you're living by yourself, you're taking care of an elderly parent, you have young children, whatever stage, whatever constitutes your home environment, you can have hope in that space. That space can be a holy space. And uh, we've said that what we're really wanting to do as followers of Jesus is move closer to the ideal of what hope looks like in our homes. And the way that we move closer uh, to the ideal, the way we take steps from maybe our reality where we're at right now, and the way we move towards the ideal that we see in God's word is to simply surrender to the Holy Spirit as, we lead, as he leads us to obey the word of God. As we, as we lean into what we're learning every week and we see the truth in scripture and we say, okay, how can I practice that in my home? And that's how we move closer. It's a biblical uh, theological word known as sanctification. This process of allowing God to transform who we are in our everyday life so that we grow into the image of who God is. And we've been looking at a, a section of scripture found in Galatians chapter 5. So uh, I want to invite you to turn or click onto your Bible app and join me in Galatians 5. We're going to start in verse 13, and then we're going to skip to verse 16 and read all the way through to the end of the chapter as we continue today's uh, collection. Galatians 5, verse 13 says this, You, my brothers and sisters, listen to the family language there. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Friends, I think it's so important that we realize this, that when we believe the wrong things about freedom, we will do the wrong things with our freedom. 
when you believe the wrong thing, when you don't understand the freedom as God would have us to say, we will begin to do the wrong thing with our freedom. And when we do the wrong thing with our freedom, we lose ground and we won't see the hope in our homes that we long for. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. Just because you might have the American right to do something doesn't mean that it is God's way for you to do something. And just and until we really understand what God has to say about freedom and what he's done for us, if we don't understand freedom, we will do the wrong things with our freedom. And this is what Paul is warning us. Don't use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Instead, use your freedom to serve someone else. He goes on to say this in verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. In other words, he's saying, walk by. We looked at this phrase earlier in this collection. In fact, the very first sermon of this collection, we said, when he's saying walk by the Spirit, or walk in the Spirit, or walk in the ways of the Spirit, the, the, the original language is telling us that there is a path that the Spirit has cleared for us, just walk that path. Just walk the path. And I was thinking this, this week about this phrase, walk by the Spirit. In one sense, it means that we need to walk compelled and encouraged and strengthened by the Spirit. But I also think it means simply this. Would you walk side by side by the Spirit as you walk this path? Because you're not walking the life of a follower of Jesus. You're not called to live this Christian life by yourself. We have the Holy Spirit with us, in us, to walk by us as we walk by Him. In other words, as He tells us to step, we take a step. As He tells us to move, we start to move. That's what it looks like to walk by the Spirit. That's the word picture I want you to have today. Verse 17 says this, For the flesh desires, somebody say desires. Come on, type it in the chat, say desires. But the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the acts of the flesh, they're obvious, aren't they? And in case they're not, he gives us a few examples of them. He goes on to say, uh, for the acts of the flesh are this, they're obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Oh, you've crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. There's that word again. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Friends, for the next few minutes, I want to bring a sermon entitled this, 
one step at a time. Would you turn to your neighbor, put it in the chat room, one step at a time. Turn to your neighbor, go ahead, tell them one step at a time. Turn to your second neighbor, the one who is your second choice, and tell them the same thing, one step. One step at a time. I want to talk about two words as we look at what it means to walk one step at a time, to take one next step after another next step, to put it in our faith church lingo for us. What does it look like? I think there are two key words that we need to understand if we're going to take it one step at a time. The first word is the word desire. The second word I want to look at today is the word discipline. Desire and discipline. Hang with me. I think this is going to be really practical and helpful for you today. Desire. Now, I want you to know this. Desire is a gift from God, but it gets hijacked by sin. Desire is something God himself has. He has longings. He has desires. He has things that move his heart, things that, that, that he's passionate about. God has desires. They're pure desires. They're holy desires. They're, they're, to use another biblical, they're sanctified desires. Like they are his desires. And you and I were made in his likeness, in his similarities. We, we bear his image within us. That's why you have desires too. But I want you to notice in Galatians 5, he's saying you have desires that try to pull you in the way of the flesh. And there are desires that pull you in the direction of the Spirit. And these two things are not the same. Your desire can be compelled by the Spirit, and that's good. Or your desire can be compelled by the flesh, and that's not as good. The desire isn't the issue. It's what is motivating and moving the desires. It's the direction your desires are moving you in. It's the direction, the path that your desires are causing you to walk down. He, he says that, that once I, your, your, your spirit wants you to do one thing and your flesh wants you to do nothing, and these things are at odds with each other, he writes. So you have to look at these desires. Now, growing up in, in the church, when, when we realize that, that desire is a part of our thing, and, and the reality is that for many people, uh, we, can't, we haven't learned how to control our desire. We haven't learned how to navigate our desire in a holy, God-honoring way. And so uh, for, for a lot of people in church growing up, there were two um, kind of responses to this understanding. These two things are at odds with each other. So how do we do it? Well, one group of people just said, forget it. Why, if you can't control it, why try to control it? Let's just let it be. It'll be, it'll be, babe. okay, sorry. Uh, I've got a song stuck in my head there. It's a desire, and it just says it's going to happen. May as well just give in to your primal instincts anyways. If it feels good, just do it. And then we Christianize it and say, it'll be fine. God will forgive me later. And that's what the Bible calls lawlessness. It's a problem. Living however we want, just saying, ah, it'll be fine. God will forgive me later. I'm just going to keep doing whatever I feel like doing. Lawlessness leads to acts of the flesh. So we just give into it. The other group of people that I, I've seen 
responds to this, this, this tension of desire is they live on the other side and they just say, fine, all desire is bad. If I can't control my desires, if I can't use my desire in a good way, I'm just going to kill it. I'm not going to desire anything. I'm not going to have passion. I'm going to live without emotion. I'm just going to suppress it and leave it down. And what we end up with is legalistic, critical Christians who try to control other people. And we feel that if we can modify our behavior, then we can walk purely before the Lord. Never dealing with the actual root from our heart. And so we kill our desires. And we tell our kids, just be good, just behave. And we create this idea that we live from our behavior into our belief and who we are. And that's not how God calls us to live. You cannot live the Christian faith outside in. That's works and legalism. It must be lived from the inside, transformed out. So these two camps, we're living here with killing every desire. We have no emotion, no passion, and things are pointless. And so our worship is really stoic, and our, our marriages are really conservative, and, and they're not really full of fun and passion. And anything that looks fun and wild and passionate and, and full of life, we're like, that can't be God. That must be the sin. That must be the flesh. And so we kill and crucify. We live in these two extremes and neither one are God's design for your life or my life. Paul is outlining a different way. That, God, that the desire in your life is a desire that can move you in the right direction or it can get hijacked by sin. Look, look at Proverbs 13, verse four. It says this. A sluggard's appetite is never filled. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. In other words, when you are diligent and disciplined, living your life the way God would want you to live, you find your desires fully satisfied. But on the other side, if you are lazy, undisciplined, kind of not really caring about it, and you just let your desires go free, you will find yourself with an appetite that can never be filled. Reminds me of how the great lyricist Bono put it, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. There is an empty satisfaction in our souls that exists in our lives. He goes on to say in verse 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Does that sound like void of all emotion? Is that some void of passion? No. In other words, the hope and the heart wanted something. It didn't have it. And it says, but a longing fulfilled, it's a tree of life. In other words, your life could be like a tree of life, could be flourishing in every area, but it's only when your longings are truly satisfied that we find ourselves in this place. Listen, God, God never once told us to kill our desires. He just told us to crucify our flesh. He didn't say, deny your desires ever existed. Don't be moved by your passions and your emotions and your things. Don't, don't be moved in that way. That's not what he said. He said, discipline your flesh instead. Crucify your flesh. Live disciplined instead of lazy. Live with a little self-awareness. Live in a way that allows our desires to be transformed by who God is. He invites us to experience a redemption, a restoration, a reclaiming of our desires transformed by God himself. And Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel writes and he says, God wants to give you a new heart and exchange that old, dirty, rocky, hard heart and give you a heart of flesh 
When the Bible talks about your heart, most often it's talking about the seat of your passion, the core of who you are, something awakened and alive. And so when Jesus says, worship with all of your heart, soul, mind, he's talking about awaken all of the passion inside of you and let God be Lord over those things too. Don't deny them, don't remove them, allow God to awaken them. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 2, talking about desire. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. In other words, to have a lot of desire and no knowledge what to do with it, that's a problem. Alert, alert, danger, Will Robinson, we have a problem, right? Like, that's an issue. So to have desire without knowledge, that is not good. How much more, though, don't miss this, will hasty feet miss the way? What way? The way the Spirit is telling you to walk. The way, the path of freedom that he's called you to live. But you'll miss the way. Your feet will get hasty to do the wrong thing if you don't understand the reality of your desires. Your hasty feet will cause you to walk in one direction. That's the wrong way. Friends, in the, the choices and the decisions and the desires of your life, they are either moving you in the direction that leads to destruction or in the path that leads to life. It's which direction are you moving in? And he says that, 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 that without the awareness, we'll get hasty in our feet and we'll start walking because our desires are stirring things in us and we'll go the way of the flesh, which at the end of the road, in Galatians it tells us at the end of the road, you will not inherit the kingdom of God if you walk this path. But walking in this direction will bring you to the kingdom of God so that your life and your home is love and joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Self-control. The discipline of these desires. See, your desire will move you down a path. It's going to move you towards the path of life, or move you to a false substitute where you think it's going to satisfy, and in the moment it might satisfy, but at the end of the day, you're going to wake up regretting the last night's decision because you lived with the wrong desire and control. You placed your desire in the wrong direction. The issue isn't the desire. The issue is the direction your desires are pointing you. It's an issue of the direction that your desires in your heart are taking you. Your desire will either partner with the Spirit to walk the path that He's cleared out, walking by the Spirit, walking in step with the Spirit, or your desires will lead you to partner with your flesh and be like, yeah, we're going this way. And it's going to feel good in a moment, but then it is fleeting. The Bible says sin is fun for a season. If sin isn't fun, you're not doing it right. Because it's a lot of fun in the moment. But it's still going to lead you towards a path of eventual destruction. And that's a problem. It's better to live with your desires partnering with the Spirit because it's going to lead you down a path that leads you to the fullness and the promise of what God has for you. Listen, don't miss this. Your desire comes from God, remember. But your desire must be disciplined. Discipline is when you partner with the Spirit 
walking one step at a time. Discipline is taking your desire and pointing it towards the things of God and saying, I'm going to take a step today. I'm going to make a choice today that patterns my life after the things of God. I'm going to take a step today so that my daily routine honors God instead of fulfills my own selfish nature. I'm going to take a step today to practice my faith and move in a direction that helps me be more generous and says no to selfishness. I'm going to, I'm going to move. I'm going to set my priorities today. God's way instead of my way. I'm, I'm going to make a different decision. Every little decision you make each day is a decision that moves you one step closer somewhere. It's either taking you one step closer towards the ways of destruction and, and, and loss of life and pain, or it's going to lead you down the path that leads to the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life, hope flourishing in your home. It all depends on what you decide to link your desire up with. You can partner with your flesh or you can partner with the Spirit of God in your life. The choice is ultimate you, Lord. It's one choice at a time. I want you to understand this idea of discipline. When it comes to your desires, they must be disciplined. Here's the second word I want to talk about today. Discipline is simply a pre-decision of how you will respond. The old song says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's a daily decision to practice your commitment, a daily decision to honor God even when your boss is being a jerk. It's a daily decision to give forgiveness to your spouse when they did something that they didn't mean to do, but they did it anyways and it ticked you off. It's a decision you make. It's a daily decision to say, no, I'm not gonna give in. I know it's Friday night. I know it's party night. I know it's time to get lit and have fun and, and be loose with my life. No, I'm not gonna make that decision. I'm gonna move in the direction of God instead of the direction of my flesh right now. It's, a daily, it, it's, it's one step at a time one step at one decision at a time one moment at a time when uh, my wife and i and our, our children we lived in north carolina we lived there for about 13 years and uh, while we were there for a couple of years my wife and i had the, the the privilege of having season passes to a place called the biltmore estates absolutely beautiful um historic mansion um, and property in the heart of Asheville, North Carolina, right in the, the beautiful area of the Smoky Mountains. Just absolutely beautiful and breathtaking. Magnificent structure. and Oh, if those walls could talk the stories of the parties and the people and the things. I oh, would be so fun to, to learn. And we got to go on so many tours and see it all the time. It's wonderful. And at Christmas time, oh my gosh, it is absolutely breathtaking. The way they had the, the candles lit around and the Christmas trees that are like 20 feet tall, it is absolutely amazing to behold and to look at. You know what's interesting about the Biltmore? You're driving down this main road and you have to turn. You have to make a decision to turn off the main road to take a path that is miles long, winding through the mountains, and it seems like it takes you forever, especially if you have to go to the bathroom because you've been in the car for two and a half hours and 
Some people have small bladders in this world. I won't mention names, Amber. I mean, you're there, and it's like a long, long road. I'm in so much trouble. Y'all pray for grace. <laughs> forgiveness, babe. We talked about forgiveness. That's the way. Of, okay, anyways, I, I might need marriage counseling, Greg. I'll come over later. The path. It's a long, winding miles and miles of road before you ever see the house in view. Friends, this is the walk of faith. This is the walk of a disciplined, desired life. It is long obedience in the same direction that winds around before you ever see the fullness of what is to come in view in your life. It's a lot of discipline before you see the results of the discipline. It's a long way to go of walking the path every day, one step at a time before we maybe see more joy start to sprinkle up in our homes. It's a long obedience in the same direction. But friends, the decision to be disciplined, the decision to have pre-decided the direction you're going to go in, the decision to be disciplined in your desires is a pre-decision. But I've got good news. Discipline will lead you to delight. It will lead you to delight. It will lead you down a winding path if you're willing to take it one step at a time, pre-deciding to live disciplined in your desires, to move in the direction of God. It will wind you around to where eventually what started is just like, oh, this is good for me. I guess I'm going to do it. Will eventually be, oh, I long for this. I look forward to it. It is a delight in my life. Look at, look at Psalms 119 verse 35. The psalmist says, listen to the language. Don't miss this. Direct me in the path of your commands. What are we talking about? Your desires are moving you in a direction on a path. They are moving you in the direction that leads to death or they're going to move you in a direction that leads you to delight in who God is. They're moving you in a direction. He says, direct me. Direct me, Lord, in the path of your commands. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart so I don't sin and go the wrong direction against you, God. It's your word, your commands, God, that are a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Why? Because your desire can move you down the path of obedience that leads to the things of God or your desires can move you in a direction that leads to the life of the flesh that produces nothing on satisfaction. He says, direct me in the path of your commands, your word, God. For there I find delight. Look at it. Psalm 119, verse 35. For there I find delight. It doesn't stay disciplined forever. It eventually becomes a delight. What started as a discipline to get up and go to church every Sunday now has become a delight. I was talking to a couple in our church. They've been attending for about four years now. And I cannot recall a single Sunday, nor can they, where they have not been at church in four years. What started as a discipline has now become the delight of their week and life. What started as a discipline to get up early and spend time with God becomes a can't-miss appointment on your calendar. 
What started maybe as a discipline to say, I'm going to take my wife out on a date every single week. What started as a discipline, come on, can quickly turn into a delight of your life. What starts as discipline, I'm going to do this. I'm going to predetermine to move in this direction, starts to become a joy in your life. About a year ago, my wife made a decision to change some of her uh, choices on how and what she was eating. And um, which in turn meant that since she was changing what she was cooking, that also meant that I was also making a decision to change what I would be eating as well. Kind of how that works in my house. And so it was about a little over a year ago, maybe now, that she made the decision that instead of making mashed potatoes, you know, the warm, delicious, made with a little bit of creamy mayo, some cheese, some garlic, some butter, just like, oh, come on, like, just Jesus, come, take me, Lord. Like, mashed potatoes. We would now, great white gravy, come on, with the biscuits and white gravy. I'm about to have revival in my heart. I just feel it. Well, where's my belly, not my heart? It's wrong desires, Lord, wrong desires. But what started as a discipline, she said, We're not gonna, I'm not going to make mashed potatoes anymore. And I said, oh, okay. And instead, she made a decision that instead of making you know, wonderful just mm, mashed potatoes, we were going to have mashed cauliflower. Yeah. Jesus, help me. But what started as a discipline <laughs> and an exercise of love and submission, can I tell you, has actually over the year transformed into the greatest delight. You know what one of my favorite things to eat right now? Mashed cauliflower. Don't at me with your nastiness. Don't know. You don't knock it till you try it. And if you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, I can't even believe that, send your complaints to I don't like good food at faithchurchks.org. There's an email address. You can just send them all right there. Don't at me. Mashed cauliflower is better than mashed potatoes. What started as a discipline in my life has actually created a great delight in my life. I prefer it. Friends, what you begin to do as a discipline can eventually become the greatest delight of your life. When it comes to practicing your faith and allowing hope to fill your home, if you will begin with an intentional predecision to move in discipline, one day, one step, one meal, one commitment, one shifting of your focus at a time will eventually become the greatest delight you'll see in your life. It all starts one step at a time. One step at a time because the discipline can lead you to a place of great delight. Friends, don't, don't miss this. Here's the big idea today in this whole message. I, I said all of this to say this one thing. Hope for your home requires discipline in your home. It requires a series of predetermined, decided upon actions that will move you in the direction of what God has for you. If you want to have hope in your home that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, if you want that in your home, it's going to require you to live with discipline. Now, I'm not creating an exhaustive list, but let me give you several areas. And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot these down. For your consideration where I believe 
It is important that we become intentional about setting limits and boundaries and personal discipline around these areas. Let me give you these areas. I think we need to set limits and boundaries and personal discipline in our home as it relates to our spending. If you're not living based on a budget, I would go as far as to say you are perhaps not living financially the way God wants you to live. If you need help, Google Dave Ramsey. He'll help you get on a budget. Free resources. You need to limit your spending. In the holidays, let's limit our spending. Let's, let's set some limits. I'm not saying don't spend anything. Each family and home and context is different. But you need to set limits as it relates to your spending. Number two, we need to set limits and have personal discipline around our eating. In your heart, I know you're saying, thank you, Pastor, for waiting till after Thanksgiving to bring this word. You're welcome. We need to, to be aware that it impacts our life. And it's different for every person. At the beginning of every year, for the last several years, we've started the year 21 days as a church committed to fasting and prayer. Guess what we're doing in 2021? We're starting the year as a church, and I'm inviting you to participate in prayer and fasting, disciplining ourselves with some eating to start the year, to say, God, we are pre-deciding to move in your direction, and one of the ways we're making sure we're going to move in your direction is to say no to our flesh as it relates to the cravings. We're going to discipline ourselves because we need discipline in our homes if we want to have hope in our homes. Spending, eating, here's another one. Screen time. Video games, news, Netflix, social media, moments in front of a screen. Friends, one of the reasons I have a hard time helping my kids live with limits as it relates to their screen time because I have a hard time living with limits with my screen time. Parents, it's time to stop telling our kids, do as we say, not as we do, and instead choose to lead as examples, not as exceptions to the rules. Time to set some limits. Instead of watching three episodes of Netflix of our favorite show, maybe just one. Set some limits. We need to have limits, boundaries, and personal discipline in the area of our silence. We're not comfortable with silence. But silence is important if you're ever going to hear God speak to you. Pastor, I don't want to be alone with my thoughts. I know. That's why we also need to be disciplined with our thoughts. We need to have some boundaries, some discipline as it relates to rest. The Bible commands us to observe the Sabbath. Sabbath, what does that mean? Let me just give it to you real bit. It's a day where you stop producing. Whatever day that you choose to do that, you stop producing and you find enjoyment, you find rest, and you find ways to worship. 
In the new year, we're going to talk more in the next year about what it looks like to practice Sabbath keeping. We're going to talk about it. But we have to start setting some boundaries and some limits in our lives. We can't go full stop and only get four hours of sleep at night and think we're going to operate in the best way and make the best decisions. It's hard to live with discipline when you have no rest and energy in your soul. We need to have limits and boundaries and personal discipline as it relates to our children. Disciplining, creating boundaries for our children. Parents, write these two sites, websites down. Parentingonpurpose.org Parentingonpurpose.org and parentqcue.org. Great resources for you as parents and grandparents to have some practical resources as it looks like setting limits and boundaries, bringing discipline, correction to our children in a way that honors God. We need to find discipline and rest or boundaries and personal discipline in the areas our schedules. Just because you have the opportunity to do something doesn't mean you should put it on your calendar and do it. We need need some limits and boundaries. We need to pre-decide what's our priority. I wonder if you want to know what your priorities look like. Look at how much time you spend on things and how much money you spend on things. Those are your priorities. Do an audit. You'll see. That's what's most important to you. It's time that we pre-decide to move in the direction that the Spirit is leading us rather than moving in our desires in the direction that leads to death and destruction, dissatisfaction. I think that if we can live with discipline in our homes this season, as we enter in Advent, this Advent season, it's a Every year, these four weeks leading up to Christmas time. I I don't know what tradition you grew up in. If you've never heard the word Advent before, or if you have some pre-experience or ideas as to what Advent means, we we all have a varied background of what that means. Advent simply means coming. Advent is the waiting for the coming of Jesus to be born. I believe in this season of time for the next four weeks as a church, I'm going to challenge us to observe and participate in Advent in a way that would help us to eliminate the hustle and rather experience the holy. To say no to the demands and the slavings of our desires, to to say no to those things so that we can experience and embrace the holy that is this moment and these seasons of our lives to take one step closer to Jesus. I'm going to invite us as a church to participate in Advent. And and we've kind of simplified what that means for us as a church. For for us, um, it simply means that we're asking you to do three things every day that better help you to say, eliminate the hustle and embrace the holy. Three things. It's number one, put God first every day. Put God first before you pick up your phone to check the email, the weather, ESPN, 
guilty. Like before you do any of that, see what text message you missed overnight, like put God first. We've curated a, a, a daily reading plan, but it's really more like a daily scripture meditation. One scripture every day we will send you to help you put God first so you can stop and put God first. Put God first. Number two, the way we're going to practice and, and observe Advent and move towards the holy instead of the hustle is we're just going to say, let's remove some distractions in our lives. Limit the number of shows we watch, the, num- the amount of uh, social media we consume, the amount of um, news that you watch, uh, what you do in the morning and evening. Just set some limits, some restrictions. Maybe for you, it could be related to some of the discipline stuff that we talked about today. Like, what are some limits that you can put on your life to remove distraction? Put God first. Remove distraction. And three, every day, practice gratitude. Find intentional things to be grateful for because it develops a sense of worship before God. Advent is this waiting with intentionality, this longing for Christ to come, this moment where we say, God, would you come? Now, we, we want to walk with you and do it together as a church. And, um, and so we want to invite you today, if you want to journey with us and participate in, in this process of Advent, We've got information that we want to send you as well as, again, every day we'll email you some scripture to read. Just sometime today, you can pull out your phone. You can do it right now. You can do it right now. And text the keyword ADVENT, A-D-V-E-N-T, ADVENT, to the number 620-604-9280. You can participate wherever you're watching from. 620-604-9280. We're going to start on December one. And walk it all the way through to Christmas Day. We're going to put God first. We're going to remove distractions. And we're going to practice gratitude. I want to encourage you, if you have children in your home, practice this with them too. Invite them into this process. As we together create a sense of waiting and longing for Jesus to come. Because when Jesus comes, he sets the world right. He brings a new grace. He allows us to walk in step with him through his grace. He invites us into this journey with him. As we get ready to come to the Lord's table, I want you to grab the elements if you're at home. Grab the elements. Try to still your environment there. Here in the room, if you'd grab the elements and just kind of bring yourself to a holy hush. Take a couple deep breaths and begin to slow down right here, right now. With every breath that you take, I want you to imagine the hustle just moving and the holy breath of God breathing in. I want you to, to think about for a minute pre-deciding to live with discipline in your desires to move you to a place of delight in Him. prepare our hearts to take the bread which represents his body and the juice which represents his blood we kind of freshly commit ourselves to the Lord this week I want you to hear the words of Psalm 37 selection of scriptures from Psalm 37 I've been meditating on this chapter all week 
Hear these words. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Oh, refrain from anger. Turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall. For the Lord upholds him with his hands. This is what we are invited to when we take the bread and the juice. We're invited into a covenant with the Lord where he upholds us with his hand. And he leads us down the path that produces the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let's take the bread. And when you're ready, also the juice. Lord, as we take these elements, I'm reminded of your invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where you said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and you would give us rest. You want to help us learn this unforced rhythm of grace in our lives. Lord, may we learn that unforced rhythm of grace as we make a decision to discipline our desires in a way that leads us to delight in your path. Lord, this week, may we choose discipline rather than feeling slave to our desires. May we direct our desires down your path rather than directing our desires towards selfishness in our flesh. Lord, we commit these ways our way to you. May we delight in you as we begin to celebrate Advent this week. May we say no to the hustle and instead to discover the delight of the holy this week. In the name of the Father, we pray. Now, Lord, I pray a blessing over your people that you would bless them and keep them. Would you make your face shine on them and be gracious to, towards them? Would you lift your countenance towards them and give them peace? I pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, friends and family, I hope today's message was life-giving for you. I want to ask you to take a next step and go ahead and click the subscribe button so you never miss another chance to have an encounter with God. And while you're at it, take another step and share it with a friend. Maybe post it on your social network or text a coworker the link. And when you do that, you are partnering and get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in them. 
Hey, if Faith Church has made an impact in your life, if these messages are helping you gain traction in your faith, would you consider partnering with us financially? When you do that, it helps us widen our reach so that more people can have an encounter with the real Jesus. You can find information and ways to give on our central hub, faithchurchks.org. If you're if you live in the Southeast Kansas region, we'd love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. You can find those times on our hub as well, faithchurchks.org. Hey, remember this, God is for you and we love you.